We're reading this evening from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, beginning at verse 22. And it should be on 868 in the church Bible. Ezekiel 36, beginning at verse 22. Therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people, and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the corn and make it plentiful and will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the field, so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. Then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds, and you will loathe yourselves for your sins and detestable practices. I want you to know that I am not doing this for your sake, declares the Sovereign Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, people of Israel. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. They will say, this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken and I will do it. looking at some of the context as well around that. But let me pray for us first. Father God, we want to, this evening, not just learn about you, 
not just learn about the Holy Spirit, we ask that, Holy Spirit, you would make yourself known as this word is opened up as we read it together. Would your spirit be powerfully at work, uh, giving us understanding and helping us to follow and obey what it is you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, well, next week, uh, everything goes Christmassy in terms of church-wise. But before that, we are finishing off this short series uh, on the Trinity, where we've had one sermon on each of the three persons of God, Father, Son, and this final week, the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Hello, what's just happened there? Have we zipped to the end of the PowerPoint somehow? <laughs> That's okay. Uh, we, we're going to be looking at that. Now, now, in some senses, this is the uh, the hardest week. I think everyone who's done uh, one of these sermons has said they've had the hardest week. Uh, I think I've got the hardest week because, uh, in some senses, the Holy Spirit has sometimes been called the shy member of the Trinity. Now, I don't think that's quite right, but it, it gets at that idea of the Holy Spirit is so often pointing away from Himself. Uh, a lot of modern thinking about the Holy Spirit makes the Spirit the focus. When the Spirit himself so often sees his role as pointing us to the Lord Jesus, who in turn leads us to the Father. But we do want to spend time thinking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit absolutely is God, is worthy of our focus, of our attention this evening. As we use the word uh, Spirit, the word Spirit in the Bible is often used interchangeably with the word breath. So we were singing this evening, weren't we? Breathe on me, breath of God, or Holy Spirit, living breath of God. That idea of your life being breathed out, the inner life flowing out. Or sometimes that same word might be used to do with the wind or the breeze. And I think that's quite a helpful picture because you, you can't see the wind itself, but you can see the wind blowing the trees. You, you can see what it does. And, and very often in the Bible, we, we get to know the Holy Spirit, not so much by seeing him per se, but by seeing what he does. And that is what we're going to do now from this passage in Ezekiel. We're not attempting to do, as we haven't in any of these sermons in the series, give a complete theology of that person of the Trinity or of the Trinity. But to get to know the Holy Spirit better by focusing on this one passage and, and a particular aspect of his work. Uh, in these verses from the Old Testament, God is promising back in the Old Testament to one day send his Holy Spirit and he's saying, I will do this. And uh, we now know he has done that for believers in Jesus. So as we look at this passage, we're getting a glimpse, I think, of what it's like without the Spirit. And then what it's like with him. And the contrast is absolutely huge between what it's like without him and what it's like with him. It's a bit like sort of saying, well, what does a, a light bulb do? What does a light bulb even do? Well, I suppose the best way to show you that might be to switch the lights off. We switch the lights off and suddenly you sit in the darkness and go, oh, okay, right, I can see the impact now that this light bulb has. And so the first bit we're going to be thinking about is life without the Spirit. Life without, if it can be called life, uh, when it really resembles death. We should probably put that in inverted commas. Because it is like saying, let's talk about life without breath. That doesn't really make sense, does it? Ezekiel is telling us what it was like for them back then without the Spirit. They obviously had their own spirit, their own soul, obviously, but without the work of the Holy Spirit at work in their hearts. 
Ezekiel was one of the Jews living in exile in Babylon and he tells us how they ended up there. It was because of their sins. So if you look up uh, earlier than Rachel was reading earlier in verse 17, when it says, when the people of Israel were living in their own land, they defiled it by their conduct and their actions. Verse 18 mentions shedding blood or killing people and uh, worshipping idols. And so because of that, verse 19, God says this, I dispersed them among the nations and they were scattered through the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and their actions. So because of the way that they were, they were punished. And over and over through this passage, God is making the point that these people, his people, deserved judgment that they were sinful people. And even once everything is sorted out and it's all resolved, we're still not supposed to forget that. So you see that in verse 31. This is talking about after he's sorted it out and given his spirit and done all that. He says, then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds and you will loathe yourselves for your sins and detestable practices. I want you to know that I'm not doing this for your sake, declares the sovereign Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, people of Israel. Isn't that interesting? We don't say we terrible sinners and then God comes along and we can forget all about that. Actually, no, once I've sorted it out, once I've given you the Spirit, once I've sorted it all out, I want you to remember what it was like and what you are like without the Spirit. Loathing yourselves in that sense for the sin in our lives. Without the Spirit at work in us, we are dreadfully sinful. We do wrong. So any rescue that comes to us is not deserved. And I think that's what it means when God keeps making that point. I'm not doing this for your sake. It obviously benefits us. But we mustn't think for a minute God is saving us because we are just so wonderful. No, he is saving us because he is wonderful. So if you look at verse 21, 22, 23, it talks about his holy name, doing all this for the sake of his holy name. They'd acted against his holy name, the way they were treating him. And so in his holiness, he judged them. But he's now saying, in some sense, if I just rejected you completely, that would also go against my holy name. Because does a holy God ditch his people like that? No, he doesn't. So he says, I'm rescuing you because of my holy name. Not because of your holy name, but because I am so holy and good and perfect and right. And the same is true today. Salvation is never deserved. Our life without God's Spirit, it does not produce good work. Instead of the fruit of the Spirit, if you like, there is thorns and and rotten fruit and and the passage here talks a lot about dirt about uncleanness and impurity and that is what our hearts are like left to themselves they are impure and it makes things impure a bit sort of pumping out raw sewage of sin out into the world out into our lives and that's what jesus said as well wasn't it it's out of the heart come evil thoughts murder adultery sexual immorality theft false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. It's our hearts, our hearts without the work of the Spirit in us, which makes us unclean. It's been said, hasn't it, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. 
That's what's wrong with us. That's what's wrong with everything. And, and in verse 26, as much as it's giving us some good news, it's also giving us a sort of spiritual ECG, if you like. We get a little picture of the state of our heart. And it says there, before the Spirit comes, we have a heart of stone. Now, what is stone like? It's, it's cold, hard, dead. I... Uh, brought one with me, not a heart, you'll be glad to know. I brought a stone with me and uh, you can knock on that and it does not do anything to the stone. It doesn't feel anything, uh, it doesn't do anything. Now our hearts obviously do feel things, our hearts want things. We want things all the time and yet we want the wrong things. (laughs) Uh, John Piper puts it like this, he says, this stone, meaning his heart, this stone has desires, it's just stone when it comes to Jesus, he is boring. He is uninteresting. He is not beautiful. He is not my treasure. You see, every time we say that something else is what we really, really want, and Jesus, God, he is just dull, that is showing us we have a heart of stone. We are like that when it comes to God. Some Americans have the phrase, someone's dumb as a rock. You come across that phrase, dumb as a rock. Well, that is us. When it comes to the Lord, on our own, we're incapable, we're unwilling, we're unresponsive, stony when it comes towards the Lord who loves us. Now, I wonder if you're aware of that hardness, whether that uh, is your experience or that has been your experience. If you're a Christian, can you remember when your heart was completely that way? Even now, as a Christian, we were singing earlier, weren't we, about sort of prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. I feel that prone to wander. Not just wander off into sin, but wander off into this sort of solid, hard, cold, nothing, unresponsiveness. We get dragged back to that sort of attitude. And, and that is what life would be like without God's Spirit. But what is it that God is promising here? He is promising something very different here. He's promising life with the Spirit. Let's read verse 25 to 27 again. It says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. That's great, isn't it? All those problems from before are sorted out. We were told before without the spirit we were dirty. Well, we're told now he cleans us. We were sinful. And now he says, well, I'm going to remove your idols and help you obey. We were stony towards him and he gives us a new heart and all of that is by his Holy Spirit so we're learning lots about what the Spirit does here aren't we this spirit this this passage sorry is full of what God will do just throughout that passage uh, the number of times the Lord says I am going to do these things I will show the holiness of my name I will take you out of the nations I will gather you I will sprinkle water on you I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart. I will remove your old heart. I will put my spirit. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will do it. And at the end of verse 36, I, the Lord, have spoken and I will do it. It's all him. And he's doing it all by and through his Holy Spirit. Remember our our big 
problem with our, our rock hard hearts of stone it is the holy spirit who changes that verse 26 talks about a heart transplant our old hearts of stone removed and replaced replaced with a heart of flesh now uh, if you are someone on the end if you want to bang the wall for me felicity come on you're by the wall give it give me a bang on the wall does that what's it like is it Solid, pretty. So hopefully it's solid. The deacons do a very good job with the building. It's not going to crumble when you uh, knock it. But it, it's hard, isn't it? It's unmoving. But if you now give your face a little touch, or if you want a bit, I don't want to touch my face. You touch your hand. You feel that that flesh is alive. It's warm. It's relatively warm. Anyway, it's warm and it's squishy and it's soft. If you take your hand and you hit the wall, the wall doesn't get hurt. Your hand gets hurt, doesn't it? Because that is the difference between flesh and stone and that's what we're told is the kind of transformation that happens when God pours out his Holy Spirit into our lives that's what happens to us whereas before the truth of God just bounced off us now it sinks in whereas before it it was like a stone you pour water on a stone just runs off it goes away nothing now it, it sinks in it has an impact we listen now we understand now we care jesus is no longer boring the bible is no longer a closed book because the holy spirit has done a work in our hearts removing our heart of stone and giving us a living heart of flesh alive with his spirit within us let me quote uh, jonathan edwards the the 18th century american pastor He, he talks here about hard hearts and tender hearts if you're going to read a book from the 18th century i would recommend the religious affections by jonathan edwards where he's basically trying to make the point that real christianity is emotional real christianity is emotional the religious affections anyway but he says this by a hard heart is plainly meant an unaffected heart or a heart not easy to be moved with virtuous affections like a stone insensible stupid unmoved hard to be impressed but what is a tender heart but a heart which is easily impressed with what ought to affect it i think that's great the idea of a tender heart a soft heart is one that's easily impressed with what ought to affect it a mature christian is somebody who is easily impressed by god it doesn't take very much for a soft-hearted person to be moved by what they read in the Bible or hear in a sermon or talk about with a friend or sing in a song, whether that's moved to repentance or moved to joy or moved to encouragement or moved to praise or moved to action, all of this is a work of the Spirit. Life with the Spirit is real spiritual life. And that is true in some sense of all believers because all believers have the Holy Spirit. And so all of us who are Christians will know something of that, something of that understanding and knowing and loving and responding. But it's also something for us to pursue because we know we still don't love and respond and react the way we ought to all the time. It's something for us to pray for. It's something to work at, recognizing that left to ourselves, it is not going to happen. But as we prayerfully depend on the Holy Spirit, that sort of responsiveness is what we're asking him to do in us. That's what we're wanting to become the norm rather than the exception. 
that we would be that sort of soft-hearted people. And that's the work of the Spirit. But it isn't just uh, about feelings. The work of the Spirit in this passage is largely about behavior. Because people who have a new heart will live new lives, won't we? And you can see that in verse 27 when it says, I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So the spirit, that, I mean, that is amazing in and of itself to say, my spirit, says God, me is going to be in you, <laughs> moving you. And not just moving you, oh, so moved emotionally, moving you in a particular direction, moving you in the direction of holiness. And that's another reason he's called the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Holiness. Because holiness describes him and it describes his impact. His work in our lives is so often to make us more holy, to make us more obedient to the Lord, to make us more careful Careful to do what he asks us to do. To have our sins dealt with. First of all, we need to be forgiven, don't we? We need our previous sins washed out. And that is a wonderful promise from this passage that all who are trusting in Jesus are cleansed. We are made clean. God declares us to be holy. But he doesn't leave us there. He he leaves it in such a way that bit by bit we are being changed to be actually holy in practice. And without the Holy Spirit, we we, we couldn't do that. We might have done some outwardly good things before we were Christians, if we're not Christians now. Uh, Not everything we do is 100% evil. But all the good things we were doing were external things. Paul Tripp talks about uh, nailing apples to a dead tree. You can look at this tree, it's not producing any fruit, and you go, I really wanted some fruit on that tree. Well, no, I'll get a hammer and some apples and splat, splat, splat them onto the tree. Look, it's got fruit on it. You say, well, from a distance, you might fool somebody, but it's not going to last, <laughs> and it's not going to grow again. Whereas when the Holy Spirit is in us, we're like a tree that grows the fruit naturally now we have to do it we're told to be careful to follow his ways but we will do it and we'll be able to do it because the holy spirit is in us moving us to really change not just external things not just nail gunning apples onto a dead tree but actually changing us from the inside out so we are the sort of tree that produces fruit This is what the Holy Spirit does. I will do this, says the Lord. Because the Spirit is the Lord. The Spirit is not just a power or a force. He is a person. How often it is possible that people slip into calling the Holy Spirit it instead of he. Um, In this instance, pronouns, very important. (laughs) He is a he. He is not an it. God always acts with complete unity of Father, Son, and Spirit, always cooperating and working as one. Sometimes it's been said that what the Father plans, the Son accomplishes, and then the Spirit applies. So in terms of this passage, God the Father is making his plans very clear, his desires for us. 
God the Son comes and saves us. And then here the focus is on the Spirit taking all that Jesus has done for us and making it true of us. Jesus isn't just cleansing and renewing and stuff, just people. The Holy Spirit takes what Jesus does and applies it to you, applies it to me so that he cleanses us. He renews us. He moves us and changes us. He softens us towards him. He makes us more hard-hearted towards sin. So that in the way that we used to think, oh, Jesus is so boring. The Bible is so boring. Now we start thinking that way about sin and the world's ways. I just don't see the appeal of it anymore. That's what we want, isn't it? Praise God for the work of his Holy Spirit. This is what those Old Testament people needed. And this is who has been graciously given to us as New Testament believers. We have this Holy Spirit, God himself, given to us so that we have life in him. There is so much more we could say uh, and uh, every week I hope we are learning more uh, about him. Uh, I'm going to pray and and then we're going to spend a, a couple of minutes in discussion in reflection so I've got a couple of questions if you are happy to do this uh, you can turn to a few people near you to uh, chat about these questions if you'd rather just sit quietly and think about it by yourself or you're watching online you don't have somebody to talk to about it um, let's just have a few moments reflecting uh, but th- these are some questions to think, think it through so based on what we've heard this evening what difference does the Holy Spirit make what difference does the Holy Spirit make How have you seen that to be true in your own life or in the lives of others? And then how does this encourage or challenge you tonight? It might be as we've been thinking about the work of the Spirit, you actually think to yourself, do you know what, I don't know anything of that. This is making me wonder whether I know God at all. That's something to talk about. Um, Maybe actually saying, I'm I'm realizing I I have been very hard-hearted. I haven't been asking God to be at work in my life by his Holy Spirit grow me change me that's just not something I've been pursuing at all or it may be massively encouraging to you to think about wow this is what's going on in my life I wish there was more of it but this is what's happening so I don't know what your answer to those questions will be Um, but let me pray and then we'll break into those groups for a few minutes our Lord God Father Son And Holy Spirit, we want to praise you tonight. We want to thank you for sending your Holy Spirit. We pray for his work amongst us now and in the days to come. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work among us as we talk together, as we reflect on what we've heard, as we take your word and try to apply it to our lives and one another's lives. We pray that your Spirit would be Uh, rightly having our attention on him and that as we do that our hearts would be moved and warmed and turned more towards you and we ask this in Jesus name. Amen.